You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 790 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Monday afternoon slash evening, and joining me for part two of our multi-part conversation about the NBA draft wings, Zach Hood is back. Hello, sir. Happy to come on again. Um, you guys caught the last one. Like Brad said, we'll be picking up with the wings. I appreciate you having me on again. Yeah, no problem, man. It's, uh, it's um, I really appreciate you joining me as always. And uh, like we've talked about, we do have multi-part primers already up on bigs and forwards and combo guards. And part one of our wing preview went up yesterday. As you're listening to this, we're actually going to put, put this into three parts, um, which I sort of teased early on as a, as a potential thing. And this might this might be a little bit shorter because we're, we're only going to cover four guys today. We're going to save the projected lottery picks for their own show and that's Devin Vassell, Isaac Okoro, and Aaron Neesmith and then today we're going to cover guys who could be first round picks and uh, if not they're generally like consensus top 40 guys I would say um, and we'll start that conversation with Elijah Hughes from Syracuse a guy I've not talked about really much at all frankly um, part of that is I think he won't be available on the Hawks pick uh, part of that is that Syracuse guys are always bizarre but uh, you know six seven wing He's, uh, as Syracuse guys often are, he's older. He's already 22, I believe, Elijah Hughes is. But certainly a potential 3 and D wing with some more creation upside, potentially. But uh, as always, I will say this. Defensively, it's really tough to evaluate him because Syracuse makes it impossible. And uh, what you can see was not always great for Elijah Hughes. And uh, that's probably why I'm a little bit lower on him. But I think, again, like, like a consensus top 40, 45 guy. So uh, worth talking about for sure. Yeah, no, actually, I wrote the report for Hughes, you as did. I'm sure sure you remember. Um, obviously, a, a lot of my report was about how Syracuse makes half of the film. You know, defense, really hard to evaluate. Um, I would even say it's almost useless. I mean, basically, all you can see is how engaged they are, their hustle, and how they read passing lanes. But even the passing lanes, it's a different kind of read. So... Like, you can just gamble a lot more, you know, because you're in the top of the zone, Um, which also can make him look worse than he really, you know. If they're telling you to go gamble for everything and you get beat, it's not really your fault, if that makes sense. Um, Like, if, you know, the help's supposed to be there or whatever, you can look bad on film and zone and it not be your fault. happens a lot. Um, I I definitely have him top 50. Uh, Probably... Closer to 50 than 40, well, as to where ESPN and Athletic San Vicini have him um, at 41 and 39. Um, he's actually a great cutter, uh, something people don't talk about as much. He had like a bunch of like posterizing dunks, even though he's not like the best athlete. He's just, he's a great cutter and he's like one of the few guards who can get like full speed dunks off in half court. Like that is just not super. You know, a lot of guys aren't able to get create the space to do that off the ball. And within Syracuse's offense, he was pretty deadly off the ball, both uh, cutting to the basket and as a shooter. So, I mean, I like him, especially the range. He doesn't just shoot right up on the line. So, I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, the defense is a huge question mark, but 
I mean, he's definitely interesting. For sure. And he, he attempted about 12 threes per 100 possessions over the last two years at Syracuse. So he, he's a willing shooter. I think I don't worry too much about his shooting. The percentages weren't incredible, but at the same time, he took some long ones, some difficult ones off the dribble at times. Um, I don't worry too much about that end of the floor. He doesn't do that much on the ball, but certainly capable of a little bit in that regard. Um and also, his assist rate doubled from year two to year three, which is noteworthy. I'm not sure how sustainable that is, but the passing did improve pretty clearly on tape. Um, but defensively, I mean, we, we, we both just sort of banged this into the ground, but it's really hard to figure out what he can be. Um, what what you do see on tape is not, I don't think, is great. Um, is it like some, is it enough to rule him out? Absolutely not. Um, but, you know, steal rate and block rate were not, you know, fantastic. The block rate was actually pretty good um, as a help side guy at his size. But steal rate just kind of averaged to maybe even a little bit, a little bit below average. And he's so old because he started out he started out at East Carolina and transferred. So this is a guy who was in the who graduated high school in 2016. So he's again, that's he's pretty old. Um, and that will scare you, too. I mean, you'll, you'll definitely hear the West Johnson comparison. I wouldn't I wouldn't make that. And by the way. If Wes Johnson went in the second round, it would have been totally fine. <laughs> so I wouldn't do that necessarily. But I don't know. Hughes is not a. I've seen him. I've seen some people that like him a lot having the first round. I, I don't see that. But you know, if, for instance, if he, if he were to fall to fifty two, would should the Hawks consider him? Absolutely. I think he'll probably be gone by then. But he's someone who I'm going to have somewhere in the forties and fifties, and uh, a perfectly reasonable second round pick. Yeah, no, I, f- I definitely think he'll get picked, especially just what you know, like sourced draft people think i mean i think he's almost a lock to be picked barring some kind of like character red flag coming up yeah i agree um the one other thing about him is actually he does have a decent i don't know if this will translate but he was like really good in the post for his size like he was like 91st percentile in post yeah um it wasn't a huge sample size but he does like have touch around the basket which can be important obviously so he's he's kind of a he's kind of a complete player offensively honestly like i don't really think he'll like kill the team in any way offensively unless no, he's yeah, like I, having I running agree. isolation i think his offense is uh pretty solid as a role player i don't think he's going to be like a big you know lead ball lead lead creator kind of guy but someone who can sort of secondary create attack, attack closeouts he'll shoot it with range like i kind of like him on that on that side of the floor if we, if I knew, or at least I thought he was going to be an average defensive wing, he'd be higher for me. Um, I, I, I question that, but we'll see. Uh, he's just a difficult evaluation, and I'll split the difference and kind of land him in the second round. But like, like you said, I, I would agree that he will be picked, barring a surprise. He is someone, and that's why, honestly, that's really the difference between the guys we're talking about on this podcast versus part one, is that all four of the guys we're talking about today, I am pretty confident are going to be drafted, um, whereas the other guys we talked about on yesterday's podcast. If any of them didn't go, if any of them chose to go back to school or went undrafted, I wouldn't be too terribly shocked. And that's kind of where I drew the uh, dividing line between those eight or nine guys and these four. Um, we can move on. I want to touch on Cassius Stanley next. Uh, pretty interesting player, super athletic out of Duke. Um, Stanley's older than people think he is just because of uh, where he landed in the uh, cycle. He'll be 21 in August, which I think is older than people thought um, might think without looking in terms of um, there's always, there's always some prospects who are older than they're um, thought to be in some ways, like publicly, like for for instance, this year, Preston Chua is one like that where he was a one and done guy, but he's 20 and uh, that's not what you want um, for at least, at least ideally age wise. But anyway, Cassius Stanley, I don't know. He's the biggest thing about him is that he's hyper athletic. 
that's the number one thing about Cassius Stanley. Um, everything else you can kind of think about and talk about and maybe uh, be curious and maybe be split on. I think defensively it's going to work, um, mostly because he is so athletic and twitchy, and I think he uh, cares for the most part defensively. Offensively, kind of a mixed bag, and I think that's where people are split on him. Is if you like his offense, you probably think he's like a first-round pick, and if you're a little bit unsure, you might, you might have him in the 40s or something like that. Yeah, I think I have him in the 30s. I go back and forth. Um, the shot, like I think sometimes I believe in it and sometimes I don't. But And by the way, he shot 36% from three this year, but not on huge volume. Three attempts per game, um, which is not like comically little, but not very much for a guy who needs to be able to shoot threes in the NBA. I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying that that's going to be a swing skill for him. If, if, the, if the shot goes in, he's an NBA player um, for sure. And if it doesn't go in, he does other things enough to where it might still work to some extent. But um, I'm pretty confident that three-point shooting will be a big factor in how well he works out. Yeah, the volume is concerning. But also, we've seen this at Duke before where guys just don't, and also like other big schools, Kentucky, where guys just don't get you know the amount of shots that you would like to see them get. But I, I don't know that it was necessarily... Like, I don't know that he deserved any more threes at, on Duke's team. Like, he's not an amazing shooter. He wasn't, like it, – it's not like he was shooting 36% with people in his face either. I mean, a lot of his shots were kickouts and stuff where he, he got a pretty good look at the basket. He has, kind of, he has kind of a hitch, too, in his jumper um, that you wonder about. And that might have been part of the reason why he didn't get off a ton is that it's uh, not the smoothest stroke in the world. Um, like he looks incredible athletically and in, in, in transition, and then you watch him shoot a three, and it's not super comfortable to watch. Um, it went in okay, but yeah, I mean, I feel like that's oversimplifying it to some degree. But I, I feel like most of the people that I know that are really high on him like his shot, and the ones that don't like it, the ones that are a little bit lower on him don't like his shot, and that just kind of explains a lot of it. Because I mean, what do you think about his defense? Because he's obviously like a dunk contest level athlete. He's pretty ridiculous, but that, and I think that those traits worked out for him defensively in college. Do you think it's going to translate to him being like a really good defender in the NBA or just like a pretty decent one? Uh, I mean, it's hard to just say like someone's going to be a great defender in the NBA, <laughs> Yes, but I, I think, I mean, I think he'll be good. I just, I don't know if I would go like beyond that. I don't know. Like, I think he'll be like, not a stopper, if that makes sense. Just like somebody that can guard somebody. He's not going to be like Matisse Thibault or something. No. Um, but yeah, I was just running through his synergy profile, looking for his guarded and unguarded catch and shoot. Actually, 91st percentile in guarded catch and shoot, which is good to see. It was only 19, uh, excuse me, he was 33 attempts, 14 makes, 19 misses. So. The volume is really low, but when he actually let it go, they went in. So take that for what you will. It's not a lot of attempts at all. Yeah, Smallest uh, size. There you go. That's college basketball for you. That's evaluating college prospects. Um, I don't know. I think if you really like everything else, then he's one of those guys where, like, I'm optimistic in terms of shooting. Like, I think most basketball players will figure out how to shoot. So if you like everything else, then – Take him in the 30s, take him at 28, you know, it wouldn't, wouldn't be the worst thing. Yeah, I mean, it, just to kind of drive the point home about 
the age. Uh, he's about a half of a year older than Trey Jones, who he played with at Duke. And Trey Jones was someone who was a potential first round pick last year that came back. That we'll touch on the point guard preview. But that kind of, I, mean, I know Stanley was a one and done, but he's the age of like at least a sophomore, if not closer to a junior. So keep that in mind. I know one, he's a one and done, but uh, something to keep just putting your uh, in the back of your head somewhere about the age. But I don't know. He's someone who, if someone took Cassius Stanley in the late first round, I would not like widely pan that. I would not do that. I'm going to have him probably closer to 40. But either way, he's probably not going to be in the Hawks range. Again, another guy who, you know, weird, weird things happen. In the NBA draft, where a guy or two almost always falls way too far, like in the last few years, I can think of guys off the top of my head who, who I had in the 20s or 30s that ended up still being on the board in the 50s, or at least the mid to late 40s, like Anthony Melton was one where I had him like in the teens and he fell to, into the mid 40s. Um, that happens sometimes. Um, and Stanley, you know, because he has enough questions, he could fall. But at this, on the flip side of that, his burst and his athleticism, usually guys that have that kind of singular um, trait or skill get picked off somewhere by a team that falls in love with that one trait. And again, Stanley really is one of the better athletes in the entire class. He is that explosive. Oh yeah. No, I mean, and he's just being a Duke guy that can jump like that. I mean, he's, I think he'll probably go in the, in the first round in this draft. I mean, definitely. I, I, probably, I would probably, probably guess probably... no, but it, it wouldn't surprise me. And I mean, he was a, he he wasn't a five star in the way that most Duke guys are. Like he was a top fifty guy for sure out of high school, but he was more of a you know high level four star kind of guy, which is a small difference, but one that's worth noting. Like he wasn't one of those you know reddish uh, Zion Barrett recruits where they have all these five stars all over the place. He was a good prospect coming out of high school, but not uh, uber elite, which is uh, that matters. And by the way, he but he did come out of Sierra Canyon, which is uh, of course a basketball factory, so. Keep that in mind, too. Yeah, no, I just think, you know, he has a good shot to go in the first round in, a, you know, sort of a shallow pool. But oh, yeah. there are obviously other guys, you know, to consider, especially I think the depth at this position specifically. I mean, you might see Aaron Henry go ahead of him. You might see Isaiah Joe go ahead of him. I mean, he's not a guarantee, you know, to be one of the five or six weeks taken like at all. I think he will be picked, uh, as as you said earlier. I think it's I'm pretty confident about that. But maybe if teams get scared off, I don't know why they would really. But uh, honestly, if I was if it was my my own board, he would be closer to um, guys like Henry and Isaiah Joe and Nate Hinton than people might expect. But still, uh, probably a little bit higher on a consensus level. And uh, most people have him in the top forty, forty five that I've seen in prominent sort of uh, mainstream boards. So. There you go. He, That's enough. He needs uh, he needs Denny's agent. He just needs to post videos of him just <laughs> making threes, just all yeah. day. Give him uh, either either Denny's agent or Mo Bamba's agent as uh, needed for Cassius Stanley. Because if if he uh, if people were sold on his jump shot again, I I think he would be a first round pick if people liked his jump shot um, because of all the other traits. Okay. That's enough on that. I think we can come back, touch on those guys again if we want to. But uh, after a quick break here, we will come back and talk about. Desmond Bain and Josh Green, so hold on tight. All right, Zach, let's go to Desmond Bain. Uh, draft Twitter favorite Desmond Bain, former TCU wing, four-year guy at TCU, but still someone who uh, is uh, beloved in draft Twitter circles, and I certainly count myself among that. Um, really high-level shooter. Uh, he was the first guy that I wrote and posted 
as part of the Peachtree Hoops Scouting Report series this year. I did that for a reason. I wanted to start off with someone who was undervalued, but also is really good. And Desmond Bain is both of those things. I know he's a little bit older, but a legitimate, uh, for the last three years of college on pretty decent size volume, he shot 44% from three and not just open catch and shoots. Like this guy could shoot off the move. He comes around screens. He can create his own shot. Um, I'm not sure how much on-ball stuff he's going to do in the NBA, but Desmond Bain can do that. Plus, he's also like pretty physical, uh, pretty decent athlete. I know he's older at 22, but six, like a legitimate 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, strong. I think he'll be a pretty good defender. I like Desmond Bain a lot. I think for me, he's like a late first round, maybe early second round guy, but certainly a top 35, maximum top 40 for me. And I think uh, Bain should get consideration with some of those really good teams at the end of the first round who could use someone who could help him right away. You know, you, you never want to draft someone necessarily to help you right away in the NBA draft. But Desmond Bain, with the combination of shooting, physicality, and the fact that he's just like a grown man who was, who was a four-year college player, I think he can both be pretty safe and also have a little bit of upside because I think there is a world in which he's a starting wing in the NBA. That's how much I like Desmond Bain. Yeah, I got him top 20. I mean, I like him. You like him more than um, I do. There you go. I mean, just the shooting gravity. I think uh, if you go to Spencer Perlman at the Stepien, his breakdown on Bain as well is like just on his Twitter feed. Just uh, He has a lot of videos of how much his shooting gravity affected TCU's entire offense. And like, I know that's just a college level and he's going to have to translate and just be, a, you know, another NBA guy. But I just think the shooting talent combined with like, just everything else he does come even come, like I have him ahead of Neesmith, which is Woo. a lot of people would not do that. But I just think he's better at basketball. <laughs> like I don't, I just don't, sometimes I don't overthink it beyond that. Like, I don't know. Like, I just think he's better and I don't know. I like him a lot. I think, um, he's going to be a two way player ceiling. Like you said, is like a pretty dangerous starter, starting guard, uh, wing could probably guard, down to uh, small ball fours, I think. I believe yeah. in him that much uh, as far as just physicality. So multiple position defender, high gravity shooter. I mean, to me, it's more like just that he fits exactly what like every team needs more than it's just like, oh, he's amazing. Like he's really good at all the stuff we just talked about, but it's also like he's like a very, very modern player. And I don't know, like that – just his archetype is just like what you should be trying to get in my opinion in like spades like you need like four Desmond Baines yeah I mean he he will check a lot of boxes for any team and that's why I, I think I would take him at the end of the first round it's like I don't know and by the way I know I mentioned I mentioned I know I mentioned that he's pretty old that's the nature of being a four-year college player uh but to bring things full circle to the Cassius Stanley age conversation he's about 14 months older than Cassius Stanley <laughs> which is uh, only about a year plus, and this is a guy who played four years of college versus a guy who played one year of college. So he actually isn't that old. Like he's not Brandon Clark in terms of age. I know he's a four-year player, but he is uh, 22 and just turned 22 pretty recently. So I don't know. I, I think Bain is still probably wildly underrated by the consensus. I think people have figured it out now after the last few months. Like he's he's definitely much higher on the mainstream boards than he was in like January February. Um, but still, I think most people that don't do this at a uh, regular sort of diehard level uh, don't know a lot about Desmond Bain. And I think he just kind of checks a lot of 3 and D boxes and even has upside beyond that. I think de- I think defensively, you might assume that a guy 
who was a four-year college player who's this high-level shooter might, might be a bad defender, and I don't I don't really see that. I think he's going to be fine. Is, is it going to be great? Probably not, but he's physical. He knows where to be. He plays pretty hard. I don't know. There's not a whole lot I can I can knock Bane for. Like I, I don't think his upside is through the roof due to the like the archetype and the and the age, but that's not a shot at him. That's and you don't need upside there. Like wh- where you're drafting him, the potential to get a starting wing, like not a elite guy, but someone who can really play minutes for you at a high level rotation is pretty enticing. And I think there's a reason why we like him. Oh yeah. I mean, and just like before people freak out on me about Neesmith, like I know Neesmith is probably a better shooter, but it's really just more about everything else. Um, And Brandon Clark's a perfect example of like last year, how many people would have, I mean, given a lot of people at Stepien would have told you Brandon Clark's better than Darius Garland, but a lot of other people would have been like, you're crazy. This big guy is better than, you know, Darius Garland's this, you know, blue chip. Like, and, and Darius Garland might turn out to be, you know, a lead guard and be more valuable than Brandon Clark. But I think next year, if you're picking around 20, like I think the Bucks have the 20th pick, picking Neesmith or Bane would be an easy pick for me. Like, I don't want to wait on Neesmith to figure out everything else if I'm the Bucks. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame you. He is, uh, again, one of the safer guys i think in the entire class um in terms of just like i don't really see desmond bain busting out of the league unless he's shooting just doesn't work and i don't see that happening like i think he's just too good of a shooter i i had him projected to boston in my latest mock uh, over at uprox slash dime at 26 um part of that is, is that you know boston could just use another shooter and i think he might help them like as soon as next year and most guys in that range aren't going to help a playoff team and he actually might um quickly so and Boston has three picks and that's kind of a weird situation anyway but yeah that just kind of tells you where I, what I think and obviously you're even higher on than I am so Bane's a, Bane's a fun player I do have uh one more thing on Bane and Neesmith um jump shots off the dribble Neesmith had 103 attempts or I'm sorry Bane had 103 attempts and Neesmith had 37 that's some I mean, insight I just like Bane more I think he's like a more he's not a more gifted shooter but he's a more versatile shooter yeah, pro, uh, a pro band podcast, to be sure. Okay, let's go to Josh Green, who is the highest rated of these guys according to the consensus. Josh Green is fun. I like him as well. I would have him in a similar range, maybe maybe a little bit higher than Bain, just due to age and athleticism, etc. But Josh Green is another really good and fun player that's also very different from Desmond Bain. He is a one-and-done out of Arizona. 6667 210 220 pretty long has some interesting passing flashes a good athlete uh kind of a do it all kind of player not like a strongly on ball guy but pretty good finisher i think i think he'll shoot it all right defensively he knows where to be he's really sort of instinctual which i like a lot I'm not sure his ceiling is through the roof but someone who just kind of checks a lot of boxes and as we talked about a lot on the previous podcast, getting a wing, um, maybe in the teens or twenties that can make, that could be a starter for you long-term potentially is a huge win. And green is someone who I think can become, if not a starter, he certainly could be a top three wing on a good team. And those guys just have immense value. And that's why you end up with Josh green as a consensus, like top 25 guy. No, I like Green. I I, uh, I have him ahead of Bane, so I have Green around 18. The passing, like you said, is interesting. Um, 
one area of his game that's just not quite developed, but I think will be fine is his shooting. Uh, he was a good shooter, but particularly when the closeout came, he was a little hesitant to just go ahead and shoot it, even if it was in rhythm. He only took uh, 23 contested three pointers. And it doesn't look it doesn't look great either. Like he is yeah. kind of a weird uh, elbow thing that happens with his jump shot. And I should have said this too, glad you brought it up right away because. If you're a Josh Green skeptic, it's probably because you don't like his jump shot. Um, and that's, I guess, similar to Cassius Stanley, but almost more so for Green because I think Green has proven more defensively. I think, I don't know, for me anyway, I like Green more defensively. Um, but if you just don't buy the jump shot, that becomes a question. He made enough where I don't worry too much about it, but it doesn't look great. And I think the form might have some work to do. And that's... At least when I've when I seen people detracting from Green, it's that they don't they think his shooting is like mediocre at best. I don't have a problem with that evaluation. It's just that that's the one big knock that I've seen on him. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's definitely a real thing, but I, I still like him. I mean, he was like a five star. He's young, unless I'm mistaken. I think he's regular age. Um, I think he's still 19. Yeah, he's uh, yeah. not super young, but um, a one and done who is the age of a one and done. Yeah, he'll, he'll be 20. Right. In no- he'll, he'll be 20 in November, so not super young, but not old either. You know, I just tend to think like him and Stanley both will figure out how to be some sort of shooter, like to the point where they're not Andre Roberson. But obviously, there's a big spectrum between like Steph Curry and you know. Torian Prince or whatever. So <laughs> that level of, you know, what level of shooter they get, they become is obviously the big like thing that nobody knows. And it's the, the thing that'll make one of them either a sleeper or someone that, you know, just kind of fades into the, a guy who got picked in the mid twenties. Yeah. Uh, you know, green, just like that, do it. Your, I don't know. He, he does a lot of things. The one thing I would be surprised if Josh green became is like this big on ball creator type. He's a good ball mover, like pretty skilled guy and feels the game. Well. Um, but the only thing that I would be surprised about is if he became like a, a real long ball threat, but he doesn't need to be with his defense and everything else. So, uh, if someone took Josh green late lottery, I wouldn't make fun of it. I'm going to have him a little bit lower than that. I'll probably have him around 20, but, I think he could. I think he could and should be in consideration by the middle of the teens, depending on team situation and what you need. Because there are teams, there are plenty of teams, and everyone can use what he can do. But there are plenty of teams that just really like, desperately need a wing defender who does who does some other stuff. And Josh Green um, is probably the best guy available in that range that fits that archetype. Because you know, if you're looking for that first, like if defense is your number one priority in drafting a wing in that range, he's probably the guy you take, which is fine. Yeah, no, I would I would agree. I mean, unless you're like if a contender took Bane ahead of Green, I wouldn't like really care. Like I would be like I would understand it. I mean, maybe trading back or something would be a little bit smarter, but if that perfect offer isn't there, you're on the clock and you just go ahead and take Bane, I think it's fine, but I definitely have Green as a little bit um just cuz of the age. I mean, he could become something a little more than just a you know, a two-way 3-and-D guy. I think he's someone you don't just stick in the corner because of the stuff he could do with the ball. You would ideally, like, have him as, like, a swing guy in between the ball and the corner. Um, But I think, you know, he's one of those guys that 
he definitely has the potential to be like one of the better players from this class if he like hits his outcome. Oh, I totally agree with that. I mean, I think like we've said, if he becomes a starting wing, a starting wing that like has real two-way equity may not like end up on all the lists of stars from a class, but if that guy pops, if anybody in this class becomes a like a full-blown starter with two-way equity on the wing, they're almost assuredly going to be a top 10 player in the class just because of what that means. Like in a redraft format, if you knew that you were going to get a two-way starting caliber wing slash forward, that guy goes to top 10 in this, in this class, almost certainly. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, I as far as the Hawks, uh, just circling back, I, they probably won't be in a chan- uh, position to get him unless they no. get like the eighth pick in the worst luck ever, and then they trade back to like 14 even then from there. Like, yeah, it's going to take some <laughs> – it's going to take a lot for him to get there, but he would fit, in my opinion, if somehow. Oh yeah, Slink, I mean, he, he would crazy. help them for sure. I mean, I, I think, like you said, it would it, it would require a pretty substantial trade back for me to consider him, or it would require a move, and I would not endorse trading back into the first round in this class, um, because this class is shaky and the Hawks don't really have an asset that was be, that would be perfect for that. But if the Hawks still had the Brooklyn pick that they use for Clint Capella, which they don't have anymore. But if they had that pick, Green would be someone I would be talking about a lot with that pick. Um, they just don't have it. So, Yeah, and also, uh, uh, this is something, you know, we've talked about a lot to the point where, you know, it doesn't really need to be said anymore. But uh, if you pick it, you know, five, six, whatever, they they might not even want to bring one rookie in, but they're probably going to do it. So bringing two rookies in, again, is, is just probably bringing two first-rounders in again that have to play it. Yeah, it's probably not going to happen. That's what I was going to say. I, I have, I think, I would advocate for them to make that pick in the second round and um, bringing in a second rookie that's a second round pick doesn't really bother me at all because that guy doesn't have to play. But you're right. If you, if you draft another guy in the top twenty, that guy probably needs to play. And with the current roster plus whatever they do this summer, they're not they're not going to want to do that. I don't think so. Uh, I get that that's a popular idea to trade down and get multiple picks, but um, I would look for the future picks more than this more than this class. And that's not that's not that I that they couldn't find anybody that can play because they could, but in general they don't want I don't think uh, multiple first round picks coming in this year. Right. Yeah. Just in theory, it's just you know in football that is kind of like an evergreen philosophy. Like you can oh, always yeah. trade trade down, but like this is the Hawks already have what. Where regardless of if these are the exact people or not, if they get moved around for other guys, they already have like four or five guys out of their core at least. And they only need like a few more. So just having all these rookies every year, it just that's how you become like the Suns or the Kings. And like <laughs> you just it's just like you wanna at some point transition into like you know, the draft is in the NBA if you're good, the draft is not that big of a deal to you. Like the Lakers, Bucks. They probably they spend a lot of time on the draft, I'm sure, and they have just as good a scouts as anyone else. But at the end of the day, it doesn't impact their team that much. So that's where you're trying to get to. You're picking 28th, and you know you get Draymond Green or whatever. It'd be very different for this podcast um, because this podcast essentially launched right as the Hawks were getting bad. Um, I cut, the first season of the podcast, they were a playoff team, but a playoff team in the ugliest sense possible, with Dwight and a negative point differential. And ever since they've been bad and the draft's been a huge focus, but yeah, that's a good point. I mean, most, I'll say this, uh, none of the, I don't, I don't think locked on bucks or locked on Lakers is spending time on the draft right now. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll do that later on. Okay. 
Uh, last question. I'm gonna make you put 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 these four guys in order. I think I already know what the order is, but the guys we talked about today, and they, just as a refresher, they are Josh Green, Desmond Bain, uh, Cash Stanley, and Elijah Hughes. Uh, what would the order be for you of those four? Yeah, I kind of tipped some of it, but I have Green, then Bain, and then honestly, like a pretty solid break right there after those guys, and then uh, yeah, Stanley and Hughes, they're just so different. But I, I'm gonna go Stanley just off of. If he did figure out how to shoot, I think he would be, you know, a weapon. Hughes, I know he can shoot, but it's just like Stanley and Hughes are just opposites. Like, I know Stanley could do a bunch of stuff. I don't know if he can shoot. Hughes, I know he could shoot. I don't know if he could do anything else. So <laughs> That's well said. Uh, by the way, I agree. I think pretty clearly Green and Bain are in their own tier for me on this whole list. Maybe maybe Neesmith's not a tier two for you. Uh, I, I have Neesmith a little bit higher but I understand why you wouldn't, um, but we'll get to him later. But yeah, I think Green and Bain are in their own tier. And then, honestly, I think Stanley is next for me um, with some confidence, but Stanley and Hughes are close to the tier where I have Aaron Henry and Isaiah Joe and Nate Hinton. Like that, there really isn't a big gap there. Uh, we, we group these guys together because of where they are in the mainstream, and I think there is a gap in, that, in those projections. But for me, you could convince me that especially Hughes – is grouped really closely together with Aaron Henry, Isaiah Joe, and Nate Hinton as like guys in the 40s or 50s for me. And that's not bad. They're all draftable. But uh, just to tell you kind of how my brain works uh, on how, why we did this podcast the way we did it. But yeah, Green and Bain are first round picks. So put those guys in different in different place, at least for us. Yep. Agreed. All right, all right, Zach. Uh, this one's gonna keep, we're gonna keep, keep this, this one short. I uh, threatened to do shorter podcasts yesterday, and then we ran for an hour because it's of course because of course we did. But uh, today we're going under forty minutes, so we're signing off now. But please plug yourself as always, and uh, we got more coming with you, uh, so people will be very very familiar by the end of this. Yeah, for sure. Look forward to the uh, lottery, quote unquote, wings as well as you know we're gonna finish up the point guards in another multiple parts series but uh yeah you can find me on twitter at zhood underscore i cover falcons too i'm sure you know your loyal listeners have are sick of hearing me say that but uh yeah man appreciate it again yeah thank you for coming on please subscribe to the podcast if you're listening to it i really appreciate everyone that made it this far but if you have not if you have not subscribed go ahead and do that it's a great idea to uh also leave five star feedback and tell a friend or two about the show and uh, we'll be back later on in the week with uh, more content. I'm not sure what it's going to be in terms of the order yet, but there's plenty to come, including at least one more planned guest in addition to Zach. So stay tuned for all of that.